Welcome to Digging In, where we provide a front row seat to politics in New Hampshire. I'm State Representative Anita Burroughs. I'm here to bring you the inside track on the people and politics that are shaping our state. Today, I'm speaking with Dover City Councilman Robbie Warrock, who talks about his community's efforts to end book banning at public libraries. Their work is already influencing upcoming legislation for our state in 2024. Okay, so Robbie, you've been a city councilor from in Dover since 2022, and you've been an activist in fighting book bans in your community. Can you talk a little bit about that, how you got involved and, and um, what your involvement has been in that? Yeah, um, in Dover, when we uh, were getting ready to run for office and everything, the Dover Democrats kind of have a candidate recruitment and campaign committee that does all the recruitment and training for candidates. And so we kind of became this tight knit group and it was both the city council candidates and the uh, school board candidates and the school board candidates that that election cycle in 2021 were all for the most part, all brand new. There was maybe one or two that were incumbents. And so we all got very close and we kind of just keep in the loop on what each other's dealing with. And, uh, the school board kind of just get started getting uh, hammered this past year. In 2021, it was a different issue. Back then, it was masks in schools. But this year, it's become the, the issue of book banning and supposedly that we have pornography in our schools, which has not been proven accurate. And so with the... Uh, with my friends on the school board keeping me in the loop, I kind of just decided I wanted to see what I could do from a city council perspective to to quash it. Okay. My understanding in Dover that there was one particular constituent who brought forth, there were eight books that, that this individual had issues with, and she, she wanted these, uh, she was challenging having these eight books in the library. Is that, is that right? And, and how did that, how did that shake out? Yeah. Um, if it's who I'm thinking it is, uh, she had an issue with these books. She had never read any of them in full. And she um, she just kind of pick and chose little excerpts from the book, took them out of context and tried to blow them up at school board meetings. And uh, she didn't even really go through the proper process of getting books reviewed. She would just go to the library and take the books out and never return them. So right. Yeah, we had a we had a similar situation in Conway, um, though we, we didn't call it borrowing and never returning. We called it stealing. Um, and the yeah. the you know the book the main book that folks in our community in Conway had a had a problem with was sex, bodies, gender, puberty, and other things, uh, which I I looked at at the meeting. I went to the meeting, and um, you know it's not for for toddlers, but. It was uh, it got rave reviews from the New York Times and the suggestion was the book was for grades five to nine and had cartoons describing, you know, uh, certain things involving gender and puberty and did not seem offensive in any shape or form. So it sounds like it's a very similar situation to what you folks were dealing with in Dover. And um, I personally find it not appropriate that certain people in our communities decide that they're going to be the police of what other people can and cannot read. Exactly. That's where I, uh, 
that's what made me want to get involved in it was that it's 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 a matter of if you don't like something that's completely fine then don't read it but don't be trying to exclude other people from having access to materials that might be life-changing for them or something right right now dover ultimately condemned attempts at what you call unconstitutional book censorship and how did you go about it you had a you had a process that you put into play for for books to be reviewed yeah so it's a little bit um there's a separate process on the city side and the school side the schools have a, a book review committee that's made up of various members of the community there's a few teachers on it a few administrators on it and then just members of the community at large on there and they somebody will bring a book forward and, and ask for it to be reviewed and the members of the committee have to then read the book in full and then they come together to discuss the book in full and determine whether or not it has educational value or not and then from there make a decision on whether or not to remove the book and then there's an appeal process where if the person doesn't like the outcome from the committee then the superintendent will uh, then read the book and he makes the final decision how does parental consent play into this if you have a book i mean like the one i mentioned about sex bodies and gender and puberty do you believe or does the Dover community believe that there should be parental consent before a kid can be able to read such a book? Or what's your stance on that? As far as what the school district stance is, I'm I'm not I can't say I know for sure. But um, as far as I know, parental consent is is a big part of of the discussion that's come up for the public library. So these books are sorted in the library in different sections based on age groups, and they're not allowed to be checked out without parental consent. Right, right. It just it just makes me go back to my childhood where um, my dad was um, of the belief that my brother and I should be able to read whatever we wanted. And he he was he probably would have been condemned by many people today. But whatever we wanted to read was fine with him. And I, I actually remember when I was a kid, I don't know, I was probably under 10 years old. I was curious to know what what naked people look like. And he actually gave me a magazine. He said, just don't take it out of the house. And of course I did put, I put a book, a book cover on it and I took it to camp, summer camp and I got in trouble for it. But I, my dad's view was basically like, my kid's curious. I, I don't want to stop her from learning what she wants to learn. And the other thing is Robbie, is that my feeling is also that kids, if they want to know something, if they want to find something out, they're going to do it. If if you won't, if your parent doesn't let them check it out, they're going to be able to read the book from a friend or they'll go on the Internet um, where a parent doesn't have parental controls and they're going to go to see what they want. So just from my perspective, it seems like it's good to have a parent involved. But um, if, if, if you put the brakes on it, kids are going to go find the information somewhere else. Exactly. It's that's that's a great point. Um, you know, parental consent is is a good thing. And parents should be involved in what their kids read. But if you make an issue of what they're trying to read and try and withhold it from them, it's just going to make that curiosity grow even more. And they're going to, they're probably going to rebel and maybe get into more trouble than they would have if you right. had just let them read the book. Right. And I guess an aside is that my dad had the same thing about liquor. He said, you can drink anything you want out of the liquor cabinet as long as you don't do it. You do it in the house, you don't take it out. And I think as a result of that, I have like no interest in alcohol. 
you know, because it wasn't forbidden. And um, so it was never a big deal to me. And I, I just never developed a taste for it. And I think if he had said, you may not have it, I think it might've been a different ball game. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, and some of the libertarians um, slash free staters have stated that Do the Dover books ban Dover bans books that, or that does not ban books, but they're books that glorify heterosexual rape, child adult sex and illegal drug use and what's your response to that this is a situation where i'm speaking from what i've learned from others i haven't read these books myself but mm -hmm. from what i've learned from others who have read the books in full the the content of the book is being taken completely out of context they're taking one section from the book and not not the book in full and that's it's important to to take the full context of a book when right. trying to determine whether there's educational value and i don't think anybody who is uh writing a book about sexual assault or or anything of that nature is writing it to to promote sexual assault mm -hmm. they're writing it because they had a traumatic experience about it and that is that's the way that they are able to work through their trauma is by getting it out and i believe that they're probably helping other people who have been through the same thing who don't yet have don't yet don't yet have the words to put their trauma right, um, right. out there. They don't they don't know how to identify that that they've even been traumatized, but they they know something's wrong. They just don't have the words for it yet. And so finally reading it in a book and realizing they're not alone is is life changing for them. Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, again, I, I was chaired a domestic violence agency for a number of years. And certainly there are kids in school who have either been in a family where there was sexual or domestic violence, or they may even have been a victim of assault. And you're right. It makes them feel like they're not alone. It may even encourage them to go seek help from an adult knowing that this has happened. Um, so I do think that Banning these books in some cases does more damage than than not. The other thing that that comes to mind is that again, a number of these people who are want to ban books are libertarians, and it's kind of hypocritical given their stance is freedom, personal freedom, but yet they want to impose their standards on the rest of the community. So there's a real irony there. So again, I I think you agree with me that banning books is not not really protecting children it may be harming them and what do you think is driving this movement what is behind this because it seems like it's emanating from a certain political perspective or from folks who are part of this seemingly new anti-lbgtq plus agenda that's actually what i think the the root of this is is that they're not saying that that there's porn in our schools and that this isn't appropriate and that we're condoning sexual assault behaviors and things like that by putting these books out. I think that that is all disingenuous for them to make an argument. But the the truth of the matter is that the majority of the books on these lists that they're putting forward, first of all, the lists are generated by groups like Moms for Liberty. Right. And we know that they're an extreme right-wing group, libertarian group. And uh, second, the majority of the books that are on those lists have either LGBTQ themes or characters or themes and characters of other minority groups. Could be Black people, could be Latino people, could be any other group. And this extreme right-wing faction just doesn't want society making progress on 
social issues. They that's why, that's why there's this whole anti woke movement, like going around the country, and you know, you ask a a Republican to define what woke means, and they give an answer and it's like how can they say that answer with their own mouth and then turn around and say that it's wrong because the answer they give is something that is a good thing it's learning about other people's experiences and other people's right. truths and giving them a voice and giving them the space to to work through whatever they've been through and the other thing that really uh, interested me is that requests to ban books have skyrocketed nationally and uh, got I've seen different numbers but Pan America, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to free speech, they noted that there have been over 4,000 instances of book bans that they, since they've been tracking them in 2021. And a lot of this is driven by state legislatures, which I am part one in New Hampshire, and by organized groups. So I think that's really something that we need to be aware of going into the next session in New Hampshire um, in 2024. And I'm, I'm monitoring what, if any, bills are going to be coming out to um, both protect reading books and books of our choosing or to ban them coming up in the next session. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be interested to see what comes out of it. And I'd be I'd even be surprised to see what comes out of it, because the structure of libraries in New Hampshire is such that if you have a complaint about a book and you want it reviewed, it's the Library Board of Trustees that you go to. And they have the final say in, in running the libraries in each town. And to my knowledge, that's that's in state law. And so it'd be interesting to see how the legislature tries to overstep that authority if they do. Yeah, we had a bill last year, HB 514, which was tabled, meaning that um, it didn't go anywhere, though it couldn't be brought back, um, which would have meant that employees of K-12 schools, teachers could have been subjected to charges under obscenity law, meaning you know sharing, sharing materials and books. Uh, even if the materials in question had not previously been adjudicated by a state court, which is just insane, you know, and uh, to make teachers fearful about what they're teaching in school. But thankfully, um, that that did not pass. And and um, I don't expect that such a bill would, would pass going forward. I just want to just real briefly talk about some of the most banned books in the country, which is pretty astonishing. One is called Tricks by Ellen Hopkins, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, you're nodding your head, maybe you know, you're familiar with it. It's about straight and gay children growing up and learning how to feel good about themselves. I mean, mind boggling that that's one of the most banned books. Another one is Genderqueer, widely banned, which is a memoir about coming of age by someone who is gender neutral. Again, hugely important to kids who are struggling with these feelings and think that they're alone. So for these books to be banned, um, you know, they're not taking into account children's well-being, children going through depression, alienation, and even contemplating suicide. They feel like they're different and nobody else is like them. Just two other ones, um, Boy Toy, about a high school boy who had a sexual relationship with his former teacher and how the abuse had a negative effect, impact on him. Um, and the one that blew my mind the most was Amanda Gorman's poem that was read at Biden's inauguration, The Hill We Climbed, was banned in a K-8 school in Miami-Dade County. How crazy is that? This beautiful young woman who wrote, you know, read this poem that was so moving that uh, former President Obama had tears rolling down his face. It's just insanity. But um, it was an incredible poem. Yeah, it was an incredible poem. She's an amazing young woman.
that just gives us a taste of, of where this goes and that it doesn't stop. And now seven states have imposed limits um, in their states, but thankfully, Illinois, Illinois just recently has become the first state in the nation to um, ban book banning which I think is pretty awesome. And that law directs public libraries in the state to adopt or to write their own versions of a library bill of rights, such as the American Library Associations, uh, which basically says that materials should not be removed because of a partisan or or doctrinal disapproval. And I think that's awesome. And hopefully we're going to see more of that in other states. And they also state that funding can withheld, be withheld if a library fails to do so. So do you feel that that's a good direction for New Hampshire to head? Yeah, absolutely. I, I That's kind of uh, what we did in, in Dover here. I, the idea came from um, a friend who is up out of Wolfboro, and I guess they passed some town articles saying that city resources or town resources could not be used for the purpose of banning books for ideological partisan or political reasons. And so I took that idea and spoke with city attorney and the city manager and, and said, I'm interested in, in a resolution in town in Dover to do something to the same effect. And, you know, how do we go about doing that? And they helped me help me write it. And I presented it to the rest of the council before bringing it forward for a vote, just so I could gauge what kind of support I had for it before bringing it forward for a vote. And everybody but one person was on board. So that was good news. And so we we passed that saying that the schools in the city are separate, like I mentioned, but as far as the, the city side goes, it is now prohibited to use city resources for the purposes of banning books. And that includes people's time. That That's awesome. And, um, you know, I think that also points to how increasingly important it is to look at races for city council, for library trustees, and uh, just every aspect of town and city governments, they're important. I think sometimes we don't pay close attention to them. And that's one reason that the free staters have grabbed a hold in so many communities. Uh, And for people who are not uh, familiar with the free staters, again, they believe in their their personal liberty as opposed to your personal liberty and um, are some of the people behind some of these book bans. So what else do you think we need to do at the state level to combat this this movement of book banning? I'd like to see the state go ahead and go forward with some sort of uh, library bill of rights like the state of Illinois has done and, and make it illegal to ban books. I don't see why not. Right. Because right. it is our, you know, it's our constitutional right to have freedom of information and it, it shouldn't even need to be a separate standalone law. but at this point, if there are people out there who are pushing in the opposite direction, then we need to push back harder. I agree. I agree with you. And I, I guess the last thing that that I'll say is that again, I hope that I hope that people, a lot of people throughout our state, start thinking more about getting involved in politics in 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 as we said, city government, town government. And legislature and run for office. Don't be on the sidelines. Get into the game because it really does impact us at all levels of life. So and I, I'm really encouraged in the state house. We see a lot more young people than we did. Not everybody has gray hair anymore um, yeah. like they used to. I'm one of you know, I'm now above the the median age there. But so it's been really wonderful to see young people and people like you, a young person who is in the um city council. I think it's awesome. And I guess I'll just, 
I'll just close by saying that, you know, I really hope we don't take these books away from kids who really need them. It is so important that people, that kids like themselves and learn, learn to understand that they're not alone, that there's, there's other kids going through the same thing and that, and that there's help if they need it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, anything else you want to add in closing? Um, I really appreciate you bringing me on to discuss this issue. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you do in the legislature next term and on this topic. And hopefully we can make a, a giant leap forward. Right. Well, I, I will tell you that I am monitoring bills like this. And anytime one comes to committee, I, I hope to be there to testify against. And um, we've got I know we've got some other champions in the legislature, like my pal David Page from Conway, who's um, involved with this. And um, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll make some changes next year. So thank you so much for being here today. easy week to determine just who would win the coveted New Hampshire Putts of the Week award. Representative Mike Belcher has unilaterally made the decision that it is the job of the New Hampshire House of Representatives to develop a curriculum for public schools. So I want to offer my heartfelt congrats to the representative from Wakefield on winning the New Hampshire Putts of the Week award. Mike, if I can be so bold as to use his first name, introduced a bill, HB 1153. This bill would require schools to have an anti-communist curriculum. But Magic Mike did not stop there. He went on to give very detailed instructions to public schools as to what they needed to teach and how to teach it. This bill is so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs that it's hard to know where to start. Middle school children would have a mandatory course of study on the connection between capitalism, socialism, and communism. The mandated course would review the theorized six stages of history, as described by Marx, with a particular emphasis on the revolution necessary between stages four and five, and the use of violent coercive state force in stage three, including historical precedents such as the Kulaks. Are you lost? Because I was lost after the theorized six stages of history. And I need to admit that I had to look up kulaks who apparently were wealthy peasants in the former Soviet Union. Students would have to read the book Abuse of Language and the Abuse of Power and watch the movie The Matrix as a metaphor for pseudo-reality. Now I need to interject here that requiring students to watch any movie with Keanu Reeves is a fine idea. In fact, I wish we had a similar requirement when I was in school, although Paul Newman would have likely been the actor. I began to get light in the head when I went on to read Representative Belcher's proposed curriculum, which goes on in great detail to delineate what children should read and be taught in each grade of high school. Representative Belcher describes himself as a political counter-revolutionary, combating information warfare with truth. He has gone so far as to publicly attack his fellow Republicans, some of whom have an illustrious record of extremism in and of themselves and he has accused them of not being extremist enough. Magic Mike acknowledged that this might not have been the smartest path forward, but you got to give the man kudos for having the kahunas to wage this war. So it is with great enthusiasm that I award the New Hampshire Putts of the Week to Representative Mike Belcher of Wakefield. Mike, we just cannot wait to see what you come up with next. I want to thank Robbie Warrock for speaking with Digging In. Please join me for my next episode of Digging In when I will be speaking with State Rep 
Dave Luno about the challenges facing New Hampshire public schools and the impact of conservative ideology on education in the Granite State. You can subscribe to Digging In wherever you get your podcasts, and we would be most appreciative if you could help get the word out about our podcast on social media and to your friends and family.